Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. For those that don't know, I was in the Philippines, and uh, was it was incredible. It was so incredible to be with uh, our family there once again. It's been um, it's been eight years. I thought it had been seven, but it's been eight years since we were there last. And I was first there uh, 15 years ago, and um, my first experience with the Philippines, my first experience with our family there. And that is an incredible thing to be able to say. We actually have family all over the world, people that, that know you guys, people that appreciate you, people that have been watching online, and we've been connecting across the board for the last several years. Um, I had a lady that came up to me one, uh, one of the Sundays, and she just said, I just wanted to give you a testimony. I was watching one of your services, and you had a word of knowledge, and it was a specific healing, and she's like, I was healed that day, fully and completely, in, in Manila, in the Philippines, uh, because of the live stream. So to those who are on cameras and computers and whatever, like what we do reaches wherever God wants to take it. We're just being faithful with what he's put in front of us. And so uh, it was a treat to be there just to see our Filipino friends, but also it was our Victory Asia Summit. And so uh, the Victory Churches that gathered, they're all branches off of the Asia um, Department of Victory Churches, had gathered together for their annual summit. And it was like nations all over all over that part of the world, from India, uh, Pakistan had to join online, unfortunately. Uh, they, they couldn't get visas at the last minute. Sri Lanka had to join online, and Malaysia had to join online. But there was our representatives from Vietnam and from Cambodia, um, from uh, Thailand, obviously. I'll, I'll go through the list as I get into it. But it was just incredible to connect with our family uh, from Nepal, like places that most of us will never go but they consider us family. And we've been able to sow into their lives and they're sowing into our lives. And we share a heart, we share a vision, we share a purpose, we share something that God's put on the inside of us. We share the same language um, in the spirit. We share the same uh, passion for Jesus. We share the same callings. And so it was incredible to just reconnect with that. And today I'm just gonna be able to, um, I'm gonna go back into... Some of the things that we've been talking about over the summer. How many of you heard the message on pursue, overtake, and recover all? Yes. How many didn't? Just so I know. Okay. So we're like half and half. I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear that message on pursue, overtake, recover all, to go back into our online stuff and listen to it. Because that message was not just a Sunday message. I believe it is the prophetic word for the church in this year. And before we finish out this year, that this is an assignment from God, that we are meant to pursue, overtake, and recover all. That the enemy has stolen something from the church over this last season. And we, we sometimes don't even realize it. We learn to make do with less. But there's things that the enemy has stolen and he's taken. And there's been a there's been a decreasing of, uh, of capabilities and functions and actions in the body of Christ globally over this last season. And God is asking us to go back in, find out what it is he's taken and go after it. So for me, this particular trip was something that was part of that. It was this thing that God has called us into. And it was something that God was leading me to pursue. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak about that a little bit today. The story of pursue, overtake, 
and recover all is from 1 Samuel 30. It's the story of David and Ziklag and uh, the, the purposes of God in David's life. But he, an, an enemy had come and had stolen from him and had taken his wives and his children, had taken uh, their possessions, had taken everything that that community had, had stolen it, didn't kill it, didn't destroy anything, but had taken it and, just, and, uh, and removed it from their lives. David had a, a pause moment when he came into the situation and he saw that stuff had been gone and he realized that he was at a loss that he didn't have available to him everything that used to be available. But instead of immediately going after everything, he paused at first, and it says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. In 1 Samuel 30, he says, David took the time, he was grieved in spirit, he was pressed in spirit, but he strengthened himself in the Lord. And so this, this past little bit, as we've been walking through things as a church, this is what we've been doing. We've been strengthening ourselves in the Lord. We've been reminding ourselves of who he is. We've been coming into his presence. We've been stirring up new levels of prayer. We've been stirring up new levels of pursuit. We've been uh, studying the awe of God because we just need to know who he is. When we know who he is, who we are just comes into line. When we're focused on who he is, who we are, what we're supposed to do, it comes into balance. And so we've, we've been strengthening ourselves in him. But once David strengthened himself in the Lord, he decided that it was time to ask God, what do I go after? My life has changed. Things don't look like they used to look, but I'm asking you, do I go after this? Do I, do I pursue the things that are dormant? Do I go after the things that are missing? And God said to him specifically, pursue, overtake, and recover all. As we've been... Walking through this, I believe God has been teaching us these same things personally, the things that we personally need to go after, the things that we as a church need to go after, the things that we as families need to go after. We have to ask God, are, are, am I meant to pursue these things? Am I meant to, like, is that my past? Or, or is it meant to be part of my future? Is, is it my past? Is it memories or is it part of what you've called me to do and to be? And so for me, um, I, I've had this like, I got a few months lead time on you guys on this one. Then I, I walked through it. I walked it through with the staff. I walked it through with our leadership team, shared it with the church. I just actually preached that exact message to the entire Asia summer, Summit had like 350 people come up for prayer and ministry because God is calling us to pursue and overtake and recover. And, and like hundreds of, of national leaders weeping on the floor as God brought life back into their hearts, the things that have been stolen, the things that have been lost. But for me, I sat down in that place with the Lord and I literally wrote down, like asked the Lord to remind me, what are the things that have gone missing? Like, what are the things that have been stolen so I know what to pursue, overtake, and recover? Like, remind me of what it is that has been squeezed in the last season. Remind me what it is that has been lost. And I literally wrote down a list. Wayne wrote down a list. We as a couple wrote down a list. We have, we have literally taken this to the Lord and said, God, who are we? What has gone missing? What has been stolen? I'm not saying that to, to say anything great about ourselves. I'm, I'm putting that out there because 
you know, when we preach messages here on a Sunday morning, and by the way, you've had some really good ones the last couple of weeks. I just listened to them and it's so good. So, so blessed by the pastors in this house and the leaders in this house. But when you, when you hear a sermon, it can be encouraging for a Sunday afternoon. It can be something that makes you think. It can be something that's like, you know, that's, yeah, that's encouraging. That's something, that's something I want to spend a little time meditating on. Or it can be transformative. It will be transformative to the degree that you apply it. It will be transformative to the degree that you actually walk it through with the Lord and apply what it is that he said. We can hear stuff and hear stuff and hear stuff and hear stuff and never have anybody do anything with it. I, I, as I was ministering this word um, at the conference and our pastor from India, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about him in a little bit. This, this young man... I could just like cry just talking about him. He's an incredible man of God. And uh, he came to me after that message and he said, Pastor, I just want you to know, I felt the Spirit's presence on that word that you gave. And he said, I will be dedicating the next three months to this message. I will spend one month per word. One month about pursuing. One month about overtaking. And one month about recovering all. And I'll let you know how it goes on the other side. But I'm dedicating three months of my life to studying this out. How often do we sit in a sermon and we just let it come in and go, well, that's a really good idea. What I want you to know about the list that I made, the things that God showed me, as I sat on the plane and I was just about to take off from Vancouver and I'm headed to Asia, I had to grab my journal because this was the last thing on my list that hadn't yet been recovered. This was the last item. Every single item that God had put on my list has been recovered in the last four months. Every single item. But we don't go after it. We don't pursue it. We don't, we don't go after God's best for us if we don't even recognize that the enemy has taken it. We used to sing this um, kind of lame song. And I'm, I wish I could sing today, but... You know, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And we sang it like it was just like, went to the enemy's camp. You know, it's a, it's a great idea. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. The whole first part of that sentence is, I went to the enemy's camp. I have to decide to engage the battle. I have to decide to go and get what's mine. There has to be a decision on the inside to say, you know what, devil? You don't get to steal from God's kids. You don't get to press me down. You don't get to hold me back. You don't get to lie to me. You don't get to tell me who I am. You don't get to tell me what I'm called to. You don't get to tell me what my purpose is. You don't get to speak to me. I'm a child of God. And you go in and you get what God says is yours. Now, this is not about people. This is about the anointing. And I believe when God says it is a season to pursue, overtake, and recover all, it's because there's an anointing to do so. There is a presence to do so. There is a power of God to do so. And he goes with us into these things. So we as a church are also about to do these things. We personally have to go after 
stuff. But we as a church have to remember what it is that we're about, who we're about, what it is that God's called us to. Last week, Pastor George talked about... um, how we actually live in the light, what it looks like in our workplaces, what it looks like for us to actually engage him. When we let go of control of all things and we let the Lord shine through us, we let something happen. And this is what the purpose is of this living in the light series that we're talking about. It's not just that we get to experience good stuff. It's that we get to affect change. We actually get to be a lighthouse. We actually get to be the place that God has called us to be. We have to recognize that in the world around us when it is increasingly dark, and oh my goodness, I was, um, I was teaching in the Bible school there and they had a blended group. So they had, a, they had the Philippines Bible school, the Thailand Bible school, and an online Bible school all grouped together for this one class, which is super fun. But as I'm explaining to them some of the stuff that's going on in Canada, some of the laws, some of the things that are normal, some of the things that have shifted over the last 10 years, I just about didn't want to come home. I was like, oh, you know what? Here's the thing. (laughs) Thank you, Kaylee. (laughs) The thing that we have to realize is that we have become the mission field. That literally something has happened in this land where it has degraded so far that we desperately need, desperately need a move of God. The thing about darkness and shadows is though, The only thing that moves it is the light. It will not change until the church rises up as the light, carrying the light, being the light, being who God has called us to be, doing the things that God has called us to do. We have to remember who we are. We have to remember that we are the ones who are meant to carry the light. John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He who follows me, which means to be in the same way with, if you are in the same way with me, you will not walk in darkness. If you walk, if you are following me, you are walking in my footsteps, you will not walk in darkness. So the darkness can be all around us, but we don't have to walk in it. We can be walking in this purposeful perspective. One of the things that... um, you know, we as a church, I think, have to, to be reawakened to that we have to pursue and we have to go after again is this sense of purpose in our own city, in our own province, in our own nation, where we've, we've, we've been in the past one of the loudest voices around proclaiming the goodness of God, proclaiming who he is, declaring salvation, declaring life, declaring freedom. But this last season has pulled us into this, this, you know, shell where we're just surviving. But we are called to live in the light. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Another way of saying is no one who walks and no one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. No one who follows me is aimless or purposeless. No one who follows me wonders what's the point. Do you know, um, I was talking to Pastor Rich, who's the apostolic overseer of the Philippines, and I said, you know, what happened, what happened during COVID here as far as like mental health issues, depression, anxiety, suicide? He's like, none of that changed. 
None of that changed. They had, they had practical issues. They had practical concerns, uh, food-wise, safety-wise, things like that. But we who have so much, we who have so much, have an enemy who comes and he attacks us from the inside out. Where people have been sitting at home, afraid, and shrouded in their own minds, their own, their own viewpoints, their own limitations, and we have created boundary lines for ourselves that are demonically motivated, that keep us from living fully the purposes of God. We actually have absolute access to so much, and yet what keeps us bound is right here. And so when God calls us to live in the light, he says, if you will follow me, if you will be in the same path as me, if you will walk in the same steps as me, you're not going to bumble around in the dark anymore, but you will have the light of life. There will be purpose to what you do. There's going to be a direction to what you do. And ultimately, this is what we're called to. We're called to go after his well done. I was thinking about, you know, it's as always when you go to a place that is exceptionally um, less advantaged financially and, and you see, you know, like, you see, you see kids passed out on the street because they've been sniffing glue and their skin and bones and just laying there on the edge of a bridge, you know, stuff like that. You see things like that and it's, it's, it's almost hard to come home and realize that we just have so much, right? And so, the challenge can come on the inside. Like, what are, we, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to be responsible for? How can we help? What can we? And there's a lot. There's a lot that we can do. There's a lot of places that we can help. But at the end of the day, whether we're born in a place that has nothing or we're born in a place that has everything, we have the same assignment. It's to live our lives to glorify God, to bring Him glory, to go after His well done, to hear from Him something that is of His heart. So I just want to point out, number one, obviously today, that you have a purpose. Romans 14, 7 to 8 says, None of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. The basics of this scripture are actually life-altering. The basics of my life is not my own. My life is here to bring him glory. My life is to honor him. My life is to hear a well done from the one who's, who knows me best, who created me for his delight and for his glory. And the well done that I'm talking about is obviously Matthew 25. And Matthew 25 is the parable of the stewards and the talents. And we know that the master came and he was, he lined up three different people and he gave them talents. He gave them something to work with. And they didn't all get the same amount. One got five, one got three, one got one. And they were supposed to do something with it. They were supposed to serve with it. They were supposed to invest with it. They were, they were given something to do something with. Now, why did one get five and one get one? It's up to the master. Why do I live here and not in India? Why do I live here and not in Pakistan? Why do I live here and not in Sri Lanka? It's up to the master. But my goal 
And my mission and my purpose is to make sure that the fact that I've been born here is acted upon in a way that brings him glory, that garners his well done. It's not about feeling bad for living here. And it's not about celebrating and reveling in living here. It's about living my life in such a way that I can get his well done. What if I was born in Pakistan? What if I was born in India? What if I was born in Sri Lanka? What if I was born in one of the places where people are just trying to survive right now? The goal is not to bemoan that you live there. And it's not a badge of honor to live there. The goal is to live your life for the well done of the master. At the end of the day, when the master came back and, and they were to bring him what they had done with the, the talents that they had been given. And the first one came and he heard this declaration from the master. The second one came and he heard the same declaration from the master. And the declaration is in verse 21. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Well done. You were faithful. The one who had five heard, well done. You were faithful. The one who had three heard, well done. You were faithful. The one who had one was told he was a wicked and evil servant because he did nothing with what he had. I believe the lie that has been spread across our land in the last season has been that we have nothing to work with. That we're so disadvantaged. We've lost so much. We have no idea. We have no idea what God has placed in our hands. We have no idea the things that he's placed in our hearts. We have no idea what is possible. But when we come back and we ask God, Lord, what's been stolen? What's been taken from me? And can I go after it? Can I go after it, God? And we pursue and we overtake and we recover all. We begin to have the tools again. And we sow and we serve and we live and we love and we bless and we act on purpose with purpose and we go after the well done of the Father. At the end of the day, we have to be aware that what is culturally normal, what is socially normal, what is economically normal, what is family and friends-wise normal, is irrelevant. It's literally irrelevant. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't go, oh, wow, so you did a little with much, but you lived in Canada, so I understand that there's a, there's a standard of living that you're used to. So I'm good with that. That is not going to happen. God's going to say, here's the thing. You got given five. You got given five. Other places got given three. And other places got given one, but you got given five. What did you do with it? What did you do with what I gave you? What, what did you do with the purpose I put in your heart? What did you do with the vision? What did you do with the passion? And this isn't meant to be a, I mean, I have no tone of voice today, I apologize, but this is meant to be a, a correction in any way. To me, it's very exciting 
Because the enemy lies to us and we can get trapped into thinking small. But when we're, we're reminded by the Spirit of God who we are and what He's given us and what we've been blessed with, the possibilities come alive on the inside. Something's awakened on the inside. Something is passionate and vibrant on the inside. I had this... Um, shocking experience the first Sunday that I was there and I, I started to hear the advertisements for um, last Sunday. So last Sunday I preached in a basketball stadium to 3,600 people and 10,000 people online. It was shocking, mind-blowing to be able to be part of that. Um, but the advertisements started to come out that we, that Pastor Charlotte is here from Canada and she's come with the prophetic word of the Lord for the next season of the ministry. And she, we believe that she is a messenger from God that God has picked for this time. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> Who is she? That's... <laughs> And the Lord was so kind to me because <laughs> I'm just like, I, like, I want to crawl under a rock. I'm like, I think that they misordered something here that something went wrong. And I had this guy come up to me just a couple days before I spoke, because I had a word from the Lord. I had a couple actually during the, the summit. I had one that was really specific and I woke up with the word from the Lord in the morning and I knew it was the Lord because it just came out of nowhere. I was in a dead sleep and I woke up and I heard the words winter wheat and I knew that it was the word for the Asia summit. And then I sat down to like flesh it out and get ready to speak it and I realized they don't know what winter is and they don't do wheat here. <laughs> fantastic. Would be great if I could speak on summer rice. That would have been a little bit more applicable. So I was starting to question my ability to hear God a little bit, you know, but it, it ended up going really well. So anyway, this guy came up to me and he was like, Pastor Charlotte, I'm so glad to see you. He says, uh, 12 years ago when you were here, you prophesied, like my prophesied over my future, my calling and everything. And he stopped talking. Meanwhile, I know we've got this like announced pastor, Charlotte's coming to bring for So I look at him and I'm like, and how'd, how'd that go? He's like, every single word came to pass. Like, thank you, Jesus. Oh my goodness. It was so encouraging to me that I can hear God and I can speak God's word. But here's the thing. Here, we've been worried about how do we get people like back in church? How do we help people be faithful to the Lord? How do we like get people into Bible study? How do we get people volunteering on a Sunday morning? Because we're super, super short for the kids ministry and youth ministry. How do we? How, and at the end of the day, what a small minded problem. Like what a, the fact is this Spirit of God speaks to pastors and leaders and people in this house. And he is releasing words from heaven that are changing things upon the earth. There are things that are being released in worship. The sounds of heaven that we're tapping into. The melodies and the lyrics of heaven that we get to tap into here. There are things that are being done and seeds that are being sown here. That are impacting nations around the world. From financial things to physical things to, to spiritual things. God is moving and we 
get to be part of something massive. And it was so encouraging to me to get out of just the basics of how do we just keep everybody moving to like, we get to partner with heaven for a move of his spirit on the earth. Like that's a big deal. So we have purpose. We have to be reminded of these purposes. We have to be reminded of what is actually normal in God's eyes. Erwin McManus says this, if you live for yourself, you can settle for less. If you live for others, it requires all of who you are. Look at that. If you live for yourself, you can settle for less. Canadians in general have been some of the most selfish people on the planet, truly. And we're really upset about some of the things that are going on governmentally, some of the things that are happening, you know, on the social structure and whatever. But at the end of the day, we have been born into a country. Okay, y'all, you can, you can brush your teeth with the tap water. Like, that's a big deal. We can brush our teeth with the tap water. We actually, we have places where we can stay. We have places where we can eat. We have things that we can experience. We have access to connect with one another. We live in freedom. We actually do get to vote. Some of us need to vote more consistently (laughs) and better. But we live somewhere where we can vote. The reason that Sri Lanka couldn't be at the the summit this time is because they had a vote where the nation actually voted in a new prime minister and she won with 70% of the vote and the government who was still in the pocket of the last guy chased her out of the country and the nation is in civil unrest. We get to live here. We get to be free. We get to worship. We get to gather. We get to minister to one another. We get to eat. We get to have clean drinking water. We get to be in one of the best countries on the face of the earth. And to whom much is given, much is required. God is calling us to be awakened to our purpose. There's something he's called us to. The church, beyond just us as individuals, the church has a purpose. So corporately, we have a purpose. We see on the wall here, reach, teach, mobilize. That is our church's purpose. It's our way of framing the Great Commission. It's the thing that God's called us to do, reach, teach, and mobilize. It means that we always should be in a place where we're meeting new people, we're evangelizing. There's always a place where we're growing and we're discipling. And then there's a place where we're sending and going and doing. It doesn't just mean internationally, it means like up close and personal. We're ministering, we're going, we're doing, we're serving, we're living on purpose. When we wake up in the morning, we have purpose. When we gather together, we have purpose. When we give our tithes and offerings, it's not just, oh, I think I should. No, the reason that we give is first off tithes because it's our honoring of the Lord. 10% is his. Our giving, our over and above is so that we can be a blessing. Things that get done in this house are meant to be done out of the overflow of what we give. That we can be a blessing in this city. That we can be a blessing in this province. That we can be a blessing to the nations around the 
world that we can pour out consistently, that we've been blessed. And so we give and God will give it to us. If he can get it through us, if he can move it through us, he will bless us. So we want to be faithful. We want to give, we want to serve. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to let you know of some of the things locally that we're going to be sowing into and some of the things internationally that we're going to be sowing into. But I want to stir your hearts. You have been blessed. And I know that doesn't mean that there's not hard things that we're not, you know, squeezed in different ways. But I'm telling you, our... our uh, news cycle right now is just going on and on and on and on and on and on about the cost of living and the cost of groceries and the cost of heating. And these are very real problems. But God is our source. And we don't focus on what it is the news cycle says. And we don't focus on what the tax rate is. And we don't focus on what it is that the costs are. We focus on the one who provides it all. We focus our gaze on him and we trust him completely. The same God that provides in Pakistan provides here. The same God that provides in India provides here. The same God that provides in Thailand provides here. He has got to be the reason we do everything. Matthew 6, 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not that they come to your special crusade meetings. Also, interesting fact, sarcasm does not work in the Philippines. <laughs> At all. I've never had to say I'm just kidding so many times in my life. So bad. Anyway, it literally says that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It means that we as a church are called to practical helps, community service, yes, evangelistic work. And how about this? Deliverance ministry, Amen. healing ministry, helps ministry, marriage ministries. We are meant to lead people to Christ. We're meant to help people come out of darkness and into the light. We have practical things that we are called to do. We know that James 2.26 says that faith without works is dead. So we actually, we've come into this place with our society. We've got some buzzwords like um, balance. Do you know balance isn't even in the Bible, except in the sense where God weighs us and sees where we find. And if the balance has been found lacking. We have things like we want to balance out our work life, you know, measurements. We want to balance how we spend our time. We want to balance how we spend our resources. We want to balance how we focus. We want to balance our recreation time. There's nothing like that in the book of Acts. The people who encountered the living God, who experienced freedom, 
who experienced deliverance, who experienced newness of life, who experienced a revelation of the living God on the inside. They just went all in. They just went all in. I'm only telling you this stuff, not because, and I obviously don't have the oomph today to, you know, give us, give us a lot of actual direction, but I, I want to I wanna stir the pot a little bit because I want you to know that in the months to come, we're about to get uh, aggressive. We need to move. We have a lot. We've been blessed with much. We are not going to sit back and, and, and apologize for anything. We're not going to be nice. See, half of you are like, yes, and the other half are terrified right now. <laughs> what does that mean? Here's the thing. The, the lie that has come around us as a society is that we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to upset anybody. That there's things that are socially acceptable that we just need to be okay with, that we need to like turn the other way, that we need to, we need to package things. You know, I, I've heard... The things like speaking in tongues are offensive. Then possibly this is the wrong church because it's not offensive to me. It's not offensive in this house. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I've heard that some people find it a little offensive if you say too much about healing because they've prayed for somebody and it didn't work. Well, it doesn't change the fact that God heals and we believe in this house that he's a miracle working God. We believe that he can do the impossible. We believe that he asks us to do things that we can't sort out ourselves because he loves to keep us on the edge of pursuing him. That we're meant to be dependent on him. We're the kind of church that actually, we've always had the reputation of doing things that nobody else does. We need to stir that back up again. We need to get active. We need to say, where's there a void? Let us fill it. Let us go. Let us love. Let us minister. Let us serve. Let us be a blessing. We're not going to be quiet anymore. And for those who, I'm just going to throw this out here because I'm medicated. <laughs> for those who have been shamed in this house because you go to a church with a female pastor, I'm not sorry. There is a religious spirit in North America right now that is raging and saying things that are completely false and thinking that it's okay to call down women of God and shame families that attend churches that have been led by a woman of God. And seriously, they will answer to God for what it is they are doing. That spirit of accusation needs to shut up in Jesus' name. But we're not gonna apologize for it. There's different definitions and different explanations for those same two scriptures that everybody knows. But if somebody wants to believe the alternate, they're not looking to understand. So don't bother arguing. Just go about the work of the ministry and do your job. Yeah. 
and I'm going to do mine. And I'm not going to apologize anymore either. I'm tired of dancing around people's feelings. If they're concerned, if their religious bones are concerned about what they think is happening here, perhaps they should run their race. I was talking to Pastor Ning from the Philippines and I I mentioned just in passing because she was like, you know, Maybe we could get together and have a lunch with all the female pastors um, because they would just love to spend some time with you. And I'm like, do you have a lot of them? And she's like, oh, so many. And I'm like, really? Because we're really struggling with that in North America. And she's like, why? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some issues with some of the theology and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, seriously, if Asia did not have female pastors, Christianity would be gone. The rest of the world is not caught with their head stuck so far in places it shouldn't be. We got... (laughs) I digress. We just are responsible to hear his well done. I am responsible to hear his well done. You are responsible to hear his well done. And it's not a popularity contest. We are after his purposes and his plans. Amen. So we're not apologizing. We're about to go and do some stuff. And we're going to see impact in the city and around the world. I want to show you finally just a couple pictures and talk about how it can be done. I want to introduce you to some of the people that inspired me. And I tell you how humbling to get brought in to speak to pastors and leaders from around the world who are facing daily persecution. Like daily hardship, daily limitations, and so passionately serving God. The summit, the Asia summit, was 460 of the best of the best from across Asia. 460 leaders who are laying it on the line. I I just sat there and cried for most of it. But it reminded me of 1 Corinthians 16, 9, where Paul says, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And then he goes on and he talks about all the good stuff he's going to do and all the things that God's doing. A great door has opened. It's an effective door. In other words, God's moving and things are happening. There's many adversaries. You know, we as Canadians, we just, we don't like it when people say not so nice things about us. Like, oh man, I think we offended somebody. I wouldn't qualify that as an adversary after having talked to these pastors. I want to introduce you uh, to the, well, let's see, what, who's the first picture we got up there? Okay, this is Pastor Mary Rose. Pastor Mary Rose and Chris, we met um, 14 years ago for the first time. They were leading a youth ministry in one of the churches in the Philippines. And they felt like God called them to Thailand to Bible school. So they spent a couple years there. And while they were in Thailand, they just asked God, what is it that you want for our lives? And out of the blue, God called them to Vietnam. So they're actually serving in Vietnam with their family. And they got there and uh, it turns out that uh, they do have churches in Vietnam. They do have Christian churches. A lot of them are assemblies of God because they kind of came in right after the Vietnam War. But a lot of them are really old people who kind of came to Christ at that very beginning stages right after the Vietnam War. And there hasn't been a lot of 
uh, transfer over in the younger generation because it's completely communist. So they come in there and they can't start a church. They can't lead a ministry. And I was thinking about how quickly some of us would just bow down and, and go, we must have heard wrong and go home. But they said to the Lord, like, if you sent us here and you called us, what is it we can do? So they opened a school. And uh, it's a big thing to be able to have your kids in an English-speaking school. So they started an English school. But they used the ACE Bible program to teach it. And so they have 65 students in one school. And then they've started with a second school with 70 students. So they've got 100 35 young people who are learning daily memory verses. Their main textbook is the Bible. The students are next level and they sneak into hotels and places and like just swimming places and they're baptizing young people coming to Christ and they're changing the nation from the ground up. They're asking God, what can we do? Not what are the limitations, but what can we do? Now, Pastor Mary, she's my age. She's a, just a good friend. Um, she's on the communist watch list. She's not on the blacklist yet, but she's on the watch list because they caught her preaching somewhere. Um, but she is allowed to teach and she's allowed to minister in schools and she's allowed to minister to young people uh, in the packaging of teaching English. So uh, you can start praying for me now and, and my mom because I have said I will go. When the time is right, I will go and I will teach. I won't preach but I'll teach. I want to partner with my friend who's being called to the things of the ministry. Okay, next picture. So this is Pastor Ralph and Jane Ortiz, and they're in Cambodia, which is a highly Buddhist nation right now. Obviously, they had civil war and stuff is still a mess there. So they have like little church plants that they're working on, but mainly, again, they're ministering to children and young people. And they've got this growing youth ministry that's just growing and growing and growing. So instead of being frustrated about what they can't do, they spend a ton of time in coffee shops with teenagers. And they're ministering and leading them to the Lord. And this ministry is just growing and growing and growing. They're young. They're an amazing young couple, but they are pouring their lives out for the sake of the gospel, for the call that's upon their lives. They're not asking, what can't we do? They are asking, what can we do? Uh, next picture. Okay, so the guy in the blue, this is Pastor Albert. And do we have another picture of him as well? Yeah, so this is him uh, today, yesterday. Time change. Pastor Albert back in uh, Myanmar. So Myanmar, former Burma, is under complete civil unrest again right now. They actually have a military right by the children's homes or whatever. But Pastor Albert, or Pastor John, John Albert is his name. Pastor John uh, has, when he, when he went to Bible school in Thailand, he came back and he has kind of just inherited 50 little kids that call him dad. And he takes care of them. He's also planted churches all over Myanmar. And uh, the older people next to him, the, the older man, he's like 78 years old. He was ordained at the summit last week. 
And uh, his name's Pastor Saw. And he's, uh, he's out there pastoring and they're out in these hill places and they're ministering in the roughest of the rough, sitting on dirt floors. But they're seeing this move of God that is happening. And the way that they're ministering is in totally practical things. It's in food, it's in care. And people are coming in encountering Jesus through those practical means. Now, one of the things that happened when we were struggling through COVID, their nation shut down <clears throat> and he had to feed all these little kids with nothing. And he tells his testimonies of how God just provided for them time and time and time and time again. I got to tell you, I can't sit with somebody like Pastor John and hear about, I can't hear about all those little kids. And not say, I'm pretty sure our church can do something to help. I'm pretty sure we can. We might, we're not the answer, you know, we're not Jehovah Jireh, but I think there's something we can do to help and we'll see what God's got for us. But he doesn't, he doesn't look at the machine guns and the military occupation around him. He doesn't look at the, the lack of resources. He doesn't say, what's, what, what's the blockage? What's the limitation? What can't we do? He asks God, what can we do? What can I do? And God is using him to change a nation. All right, the next one. Now, this is Pastor Joseph. I was with Pastor Craig in the Philippines, by the way. Um, Pastor Joseph and Shiny from India. And I think there's one more picture of him as well here. Okay, so we'll just leave that up. Pastor Joseph, I met about 12 years ago in Thailand, and he was, he was at the Bible school there. And he was super shy. He didn't really talk to anybody. And I heard the story about how his dad knew that Joseph should go to Bible school. He knew that Joseph was going to be a pastor, that God was going to do something with his life. And so he took the family van, which was the way that they did everything and the way that they earned their income. And he sold the family van. And he sent Joseph to Thailand and he said, you're going to be a pastor, son. God's going to use you to change this nation. And what nobody knew the entire first couple years that Joseph was there, he, he would just, you know, be quiet and he'd be fasting and praying and whatever on weekends. And nobody realized that what the tuition and everything covers um, at the Bible school, like most colleges, it's Monday to Friday and there was no meals on Saturdays or Sundays. And nobody knew that he had no money. And so for all that time in Bible school, he would fast every weekend and pray for his nation and didn't say a word. Nobody knew. But that time while he was there, God gave him this passion and not just to go back and be a minister in India, but you will take the nation. And so he said, God, how do I, how do, I do that? India is big, like 1.4 billion people with a B. And he's like, I, I, I think in numbers, so I asked God, like, that's too big of a number for me. And so we started breaking it down and breaking it down to people groups and breaking it down to districts and breaking it down to voting groups and whatever. And he came down to, there's 28 provinces. There's 28 provinces or 28 states, which are they? Uh, states, 28 states. And he said to God, 28. 28's a number I can get my head around. 28's a number I can pray about. And so he said to God, I, I'm asking you to give me 28 states. And he got home and 
he began, he started a church and he immediately started a Bible college and he started gathering whenever somebody would send him a little extra money, like he said, birthday money or some little thing. And it was just 50 rupees here and just little bits of money and he would save it until he finally had enough that he could figure out how to get on a train and go to every one of those states. He didn't have any money for food. He didn't have any money to stay anywhere. He packed up a piece of heavy cardboard that he took with him and he would go to a state. He would put his feet on it and he would say, everywhere the sole of my feet are, you have given me. I claim this state for Jesus Christ. And he would roll out his cardboard and he would sleep on the train platform that night and he'd get back on the train the next day and he'd go to the next state and he'd put his feet on the ground there and he'd claim it for Jesus Christ. Ten years later, he now has graduates, Bible school graduates in every state across India. In fact, he's had so many go out that he maps it out and he says, you can't go 300 miles in any direction without bumping into a Victory Bible School student. He says, we will see India changed every uh, Friday night. They have online Zoom meetings because church is still dicey. But they have online Zoom meetings and they have 900 families across the nation gather online and then they break them into small groups so they can be discipled and pastored online every single week. And the belief is that those 900 groups will expand out from there. And so they have, um, they have a new uh, prime minister, I think it is, there that is not great. Um, the whole clash isn't really about Christianity in India. It's between Hinduism and Muslims. And there's a quite a conflict between the two. And so the, the new um, prime minister, he is, he is Hindu and he's very anti-Muslim. And basically their way of harnessing things and harnessing the spread of Christianity is to make it illegal to gather or to proselytize. So if, if your family is Muslim, you need to stay Muslim. If your family is Hindu, you need to stay Hindu. And Christianity doesn't count at all because that never was here. And so he has changed it so that in 11 of the states, 11 of the 28 states, it's illegal to gather. And he's got spies in all of those 11 states. And if you have a small home group and you worship, uh, Pastor Joseph said by the third song, the military will be there and you will be arrested. But in the other places, we're free to move. So he, he doesn't focus on the 11, although they've got people underground there. The other places, it's totally free to minister. And so they're taking it as far as they can, doing as much as they can, as wisely as they can. And he, he to us, has a Bible college. To them, he has a leadership school. And the leadership school is training people by the hundreds to preach the gospel. Pastor Joseph asks, what can we do? Pastor Ronald and Cynthia are the next couple, this young couple's in the Philippines. And during COVID, they were the one of the ones that was very similar mindset to us. And when they got shut down, they immediately went into home groups and switched into 26 small groups in homes and said, you know, we're going we're gonna to gather because we have a calling before God. And so somehow at the end of COVID, their church has exploded and they're at 1,700 people gathering on a Sunday. They have six services I said, how do you do six services? Like we're, our, our volunteers are having a hard time getting, the, getting around the idea we might have two. And they're like, um, people are getting saved. So of, 
of course we have six services. And I'm like, but you don't go to all of them, do you? And she's like, of course we do. Like it's our privilege. To, we get to serve 1,700 people on a Sunday. We're at every one of those six services and we're just seeing God move. I thought to myself, here's somebody who's not looking at the limitations. Here's a couple who's going, what can we do? What can we do? So what's been burst out of those 1,700 people that's gathering now is not just that they're believing for land for a church of their own because they're in a movie theater right now. They are actually launching next year the first Asia Missions Training Center. And they will be sending missionaries from Asia to places like this. What can we do? Pastor Letty's the next one. This is one of the young women who is, uh, she's a pastor in the Philippines. She's single. She's out in the provinces. She's ministering. I'm like, hey, you know, are you looking at getting married or whatever? She's like, not unless he's got the same calling. I'd rather do it alone. She is after God. She's not limited by what is her marital status. She's not blocked by what is acceptable. She is after the call of God. And she's saying, what can I do? What can I do? This uh, last picture is a couple named Crystal and Roy Zamora. And I, I met her. It was like one of those moments for me. She came up to me. She waited after one of the sessions. And, and she said, I just wanted to introduce myself. And she said, this is at the Leader Summit. And she said, you led me to the Lord 14 years ago. I said, you're kidding what, what are, you're at the Leader Summit. What are you doing? She said, this is my husband. This is our baby. We're on a church planting mission. Right now, we lead 20 Bible studies a week. Wow. 20 Bible studies a week. Once they hit 26, they're allowed to start a church plant. What can we do? What can we do? I mean, my job for them was obviously just to go minister at a high school sometime 14 years ago. But God's job for them is massive. He's not asking me to lead 20 Bible studies a week, but he did ask me to just go and minister at a high school at some point 14 years ago. What's he asking you to do? What's he asking you to do in your workplace? What's he asking you to do in your neighborhood? Where is he asking you to sow? Where is he asking us to serve? How is he asking us to love? How is he asking us to care? What can we do? I believe today God just wants to stir us up a little bit. That not just like, do I have back all this stuff that God says I could go after? Have I pursued? Have I overtaken? Have I recovered all in the, the things of life? But is my purpose intact? Is my passion intact? Is my, is my drive to move forward intact? Do I have a what can I do resonating on my lips? Do I realize that I have value? I'm telling you what depression and suicide hover in the, in the, the uh, scope of there's no purpose to my life. I don't matter. Nobody, nobody sees me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. That is such a lie over North America. Because we should be waking up every morning and saying, if I have breath, I have purpose. What can I do? What can I do? And my driving force today is, God, I want to hear your well done. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. So this morning, I'm going to have just Rex, well, the team, we'll have the team come back. And I want to 
Yeah, thanks for putting up with this, guys. I want to ask you this morning. We're not gonna. We're not gonna um, belabor the point and, um, you know, do a lot of touching or whatever. But let's stand together. And I want to put the invitation out there. If there is something on the inside of you, a place of purpose, a place of passion, a place of drive, a place of what can I do that has been stolen in the last season, it's been silenced or it's been compressed. You've had something come against your mind and you've just let go of some of the dreams. You've let go of some of the passion. You've, you've settled for like, oh man, I'll just be happy when things are normal again. You've bought into the, what, what do I have to offer? If there's something on the inside of you that's stirring in the middle of this, as we go back into worship today, I wanna invite you to come to the front and we're just gonna do a blanket prayer. But I believe that there is a, an anointing for breakthrough in this area that we're gonna see some stuff break off our minds. We're gonna see some blockages and some chains and some boundary lines break off because it's time for our hearts to soar again. It's, it's time for our hearts to dream again. It's time for us to see what we really have. It's time for us to be obedient to the call. It's time for us to live out of passion and purpose with vibrancy. It's time for us to be resoundly declaring that I wanna be all that he's made me to be. I wanna live in the fullness of what he's called me to. I want to live with purpose and passion every day of my life. I want to be the person who gets to the end and hears the well done. I want it. If that is you this morning, I want to invite you to come to the front and we are going to press into this together. We're going to believe for a breakthrough. We're going to believe for a reawakening of dreams. We're going to believe for a freshness of calling, a freshness of fire. Yeah, come right up to the front, guys. This is a lot of us today because we've been lied to for a while. Yeah, let's just sing this as you come. The rain of darkness now ascended Forever under your dominion Declare it You're the king of my life You're the king of my life Yeah, let's declare it again this morning You reign above it all You reign above it all Yes, God Over the universe and over no yes, God. Jesus, you reign above it all. Yes, God. So ba 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 On the cross, the work was finished. God poured out your life just to give us new life. Now from the lips of the forgiven Here I'm through my eyes Cause Jesus 
George is going to join me and we're going to pray, but this is a, this is a thing of personal, personal yes to God, right? In Isaiah, when it talks about the spirit of the Lord, God is upon me because he's anointed me. There's two different types of bondage that it talks to those that are in chains and those that are bound. And, and the way I picture it is that there's some that are you know, they don't know Jesus yet. They're, they're in bondage. And there's others that it's like you've been in prison and the door's open, but you haven't walked out yet. And sometimes it's a prison that we've allowed to happen because we haven't got up and walked out yet. And today I believe that's gonna happen. So I'm gonna have, um, I'm gonna have Pastor George start in prayer, but I want you to just lean into the fact that this is your move towards God. This is your yes to God. But there's a countermeasure that's happening because you're kicking the chains off. And once and for all, that is enough. That is enough of this attack on your mind. That is enough of the lie against who you are. That is enough of the thieving of your purpose and your destiny. That is enough of the mental fog. That is enough of the mental clutter. That is enough of the small thinking. You are kicking that off today and something new is gonna come free. Pastor George. 
revive purpose in the lives of your children. We thank you that, Lord, every single one of us has been called to live a life on purpose. But the enemy comes against us. A great door, as Paul said, has been opened for your people. But there, there are many adversaries. But, Lord, today you have called us to come to the place of freedom so that we can begin to walk in purpose according to your will. You sent Moses to Pharaoh and told him, Tell him that let my people go so that they will go and worship me. Father, today in the name of Jesus, we pray over every single one of your loved children here right now. Any form of bondage that the enemy has tried to put them in. And even as I came up here, what I heard in my spirit was this. Some of us have believed a lie to the point that it has become a truth to us. And today God is bringing freedom in that place of lie. In the name of Jesus, whatever has not been planted by God, let it be uprooted in the name of Jesus. Any seeds of ideas, any seeds of mindset that have tied itself up to your life and are driven you away from the will and the purpose of God, in the name of Jesus, we speak the freedom of God over your life right now. Be loose out of it, be made whole, be made free in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for freedom for every single one of your children in this place. No matter how small they have drifted from their purpose, right now we pray that you bring them into the right place. Align them in the right area for them to walk in their purpose in Jesus' name. As we spoke over the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus come out. I call your children right now. Come out to the place of your purpose in the name of Jesus and let the cloth of death be broken be loose of your life in Jesus name speak deliverance speak freedom and speak alignment into the will of the living God for each one of you and Lord we thank you for a new beginning from today in Jesus mighty name Amen Thank you Lord so I just want to ask you today to put your hand on your head as a man thinks, so is he. Repeat after me, Father God. I come before you today and I recognize your voice of truth. I recognize that there have been lies that I have believed. There have been wrong things that have become guidelines in my life. Right now, I ask your forgiveness and I renounce all agreement with the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. I renounce all agreement with any principality or power that's territorial that would try and hold me into a Canadian way of thinking. Lord, today I decide to step into a kingdom, a kingdom way of thought, a kingdom way of being, a kingdom way of doing. Lord, I submit myself to your rulership. And I thank you according to your word. 
I have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is healthy, strong, and aligned with the purposes of heaven. I thank you for freedom today. And I look for nothing else than you're well done. I live for you fully and completely free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him a shout. Yes, God. So, Lord, I just speak a release over this house. Lord, that which has been decided today, that which has been declared today, God, we pray that we would be a house that is noteworthy of bringing about change. God, that we're the people who say yes to God. That we're the people like Daniel talked about who know their God and we are strong and do great exploits. God, that there are notable things that happen through our lives. God, we wanna be a book of acts kind of people. Signs, wonders, miracles, the move of your spirit, freedom wherever we go. Lord, may we be carriers of your presence, carriers of your love, carriers of your glory. And God, may we be focused on nothing else than you and your well done. We give you the praise for it today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.